blitz. It's a blitz. Welcome to our PBL Project Blitz series, where each month we are highlighting the work of some awesome teachers in the PBL classrooms. Every guest will share out one of their favorite PBL projects, and we'll get a chance to discuss the impact of these projects on the students, the community, and our guests. We hope you find our guests as inspiring as we do. Welcome to the PBL Playbook, brought to you by Magnify Learning, where we equip teachers with project-based learning tools today so they can engage and empower their students for the future. This podcast will give you the playbook of real PBL facilitators in the classroom, just like you, and help bring you strategies and tools for your PBL game. Now, here are your PBL Playbook hosts, Josh and Andrea. Gotta find a better way. Welcome back to another episode of the PBL Project Blitz. We are highlighting projects that are happening in our PBL classrooms and our awesome PBL facilitators. This week, we have someone who is very close to the podcast, um, Joe Steele, who is a facilitator at our school, CSA New Tech. He's English Language Arts, um, and he does some incredible work in the PBL classroom and with Magnify Learning. So, Joe, will you, for our listeners uh, that don't know you, introduce yourself and your background in education and PBL? Sure. Uh, my name is Joe Steele. Uh, I'm born and raised in Columbus, and that's now where I teach. Um, I've had a 20-year uh, career. started very traditional, um, Decatur Central in Indianapolis, and then moved to Hauser. I wanted a small school experience near home. And then my mom was about to retire and begged me to come teach at Central near her in Columbus. Uh, and then that led me to PBL and then to the high school with you guys where I am now and loving it. Yeah. And um, just to be transparent with all of our guests, I was uh, lucky enough to be able to co-facilitate a class with Joe. And I think we're going to hear about a project that we did. So this will be a little bit of a flashback for me as well. Um, But we're we're really excited to have Joe. Um, His his knowledge of PBL is something that um, is going to be useful for everyone, but most importantly, his passion for helping kids and and doing PBL is something that um, our school benefits from and and all of our kids benefit from. So, uh, Joe, tell us about this project. Uh, Give us an overview of kind of what it was, you know, what what we tried to cover in terms of standards and, 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 you know, how we launched it and, and how it all culminated. Just kind of give us that like critical friends group overview of, of what, what we did. And then we'll kind of dive in and talk about some of the, the different points of that. Sure. Um, you know, at first when I decided to come on, I was going to talk about a totally different project that I always seem to talk about because I love so much, but then it hit me. I had one that does connect all three of us kind of. And uh, the year I had with Josh was, one of my favorite years, we really pushed each other. Uh, we tried standards-based grading and just some, uh, some other really, you know, difficult things. And we pushed each other so much. And, and this project was no different. Um, we decided to, imp- to put in a little free library in our community. 
Uh, and this was kind of born from, I, I do woodworking and I always try to insert my hobbies and my passions into the classroom because if, you know, if you're really passionate about it, that that's, um, you know, the kids pick up on that and follow you. Um, and just from making mistakes in my garage, it's like, these kids need to make these mistakes. This is how you learn by doing. Uh, so what could they do? What could they build? And then I saw a little free library at my, where I live in Nashville and thought, that's it. Deciding where one goes, what books have to be placed in it. Oh, man, there's so many directions with my English standards that can go. Um, and Josh, my teaching partner, had to bring the probability and statistics standards. We were a, um, a math and English class together. And just real quick with research, we found that the census had really great economic and literacy data for our community. And we could find the right area. And just it, it felt really great. Um, so I guess with our entry event, we, we, I contacted the Bartholomew County Literacy Coalition and they were really busy, but said, please like ask your kids to do this and say it's from us. So I kind of drafted a letter and, um, you know, the community partner in this kind of moved as we went along. Um, but they said, yes, we need this for our community. Those are great. And please ask the kids. So we had a letter from them and then we watched an overview of what little free libraries are to get the kids really amped up and then dropped right into knows and need to knows. And uh, oftentimes I think when you have just a really, a good idea that, you know, connects to a bunch of standards, but you've not really fleshed it out just by having that entry event and then getting to those need to knows, you can picture it and you kind of decide from there, you know, the kids told us we've got to design something. Yep. And we need to address the literacy needs of Columbus, Indiana. Yes. Uh, so where, how can we do that? And we build a rubric. You know, you're going to have to have the building plan. It's got to be durable. We've got to, you got to research material cost and it's got to be attractive and people need to be able to see the books inside. And then from, you know, the needs of the community, location, what area of Columbus needs this? A content, they had to choose books that went into it to meet the demographics of our town. We, you know, if, 30% are children that we needed 30% children's books. And, and it just became, it just grew and grew. And I love being able to like multiply the moment in class where yes, they're working on your standards, but they're also working on a life skill. They're also working on one of our outcomes. They're also thinking about their neighbors. I mean, if you can just keep folding those things in uh, as, as it goes along and it just naturally builds, um, then uh, it's a great project. And so uh, one more, I guess, with standards, you ask, uh, you know, reading literature, the kids had to read a book and we made them make an advertisement. They had to have like a bookmark in it that advertised the book. Um, and getting those books was a really fun experience. We had a, a donation drive and we made the kids pick a book to read from the donations because it was going to be given back to the library. Um, writing about literature, they had to make that bookmark that was an advertisement for the book and encourage someone who opened it to, to read. Uh, nonfiction reading, we did a lot of informative stuff, the census of Columbus, uh, the needs of Columbus, you know, the letter from the coalition, just the entry letter itself. Informative writing, each group had to make uh, instructions for a Little Free Library, a little brochure, like if the community had never seen one, oh, this is what a Little Free Library is. Oh, I can just take these books. It had to be clear and, and um, you know, for all reading levels, they'd include images in case a child came up and wanted a book. 
And then speaking, they had to present to us and the grounds manager at our school and the principal uh, convinced them that the libraries were great and needed to be placed and, you know, and then answer questions in their presentation. So we got speaking and anyway, I'll stop rambling. No, I think one thing that I love talking about projects with you um, just in general is you are um, so intentional about authenticity. And I think, you know, anytime I've come to you with a project idea, your question is always like, okay, how is this authentic? What is the purpose for this? Um, which pushes me as a facilitator. And I think for, you know, projects that I, I hear you talk about, it's not just the end product, right? I think you, you create projects that have authentic end products and you're intentional with your community partners, but it's the process along the way. And we've heard you already talk about all of the pieces of authenticity. So it's not just like this product is authentic for our community, the end, it is, okay, they're also building these skills. Like you said, the failures in your garage um, and, you know, they need to experience that and build those skills. Um, and like you said, this project does connect all three of us. And this is, a way <laughs> I haven't really talked about on this podcast before this perspective, but um, my youngest brother was in your class when you guys did this project. And so I can, you know, give testament to the frustrations and the failures out there working and building in the garage and, um, you know, the, the measure and cut and that he put like, you know, real shingles and roofing on his yes. library. And so the, seeing him build those skills, all, albeit the frustration that came with it and, you know, maybe some choice words from my <laughs> brother, but to see him build those skills through a project. And I knew that he was one learning content standards, but two building skills that he will use in the future. Um, so in what way did you see this impact your students? What was some of the feedback you got from them? How did you know they liked it and or were, were building those real world skills? Yeah, uh, I want to go back to one thing about the authenticity point. Um, you know, I think some of us are teachers because we lacked great teaching sometimes in our life. When I needed to be inspired, I did not feel it in my English class. I wasn't connected. I didn't see where I was going to apply this essay to my life. Uh, and I think my whole career has been based on, I'm reaching to those kids and whatever power I can muster, which is PBL, you know, that engagement this is real kid. Like this needs in our, there's a need for this in our community. You see that lady right there. She is begging you for this to happen. Do you see that if we make it, it's going to make this change? Like, and so they buy into that. It's when you have engagement, then you have kids pouring over your standards. If they really want to make something great, then they will do that hard work. Like you have to fix your grammar because this letter is going to the city and that guy is going to decide whether they're going to make changes to the playground to adapt to 14 to 18 year olds and not just little kids. Like it has to be grammatically correct. So when I teach you that tomorrow in our little workshop, you'll be right there listening, hanging on my word. And so that's, and so I've tried to build that. And I think you ask, how did the kids react to this and how did that come about? They saw it in the research. They felt in the letter the need for it in our community. They see our, our their economic status of areas of Columbus. Um, they know they needed books, wanted books. Oh, we they're coming in. So, and then being able to design and build like this is an English class right now, isn't Mister Steele? Like, yeah, it's not like I, you know I don't like doing English all the time, guys. I want to be having fun, uh, but you do have to you know keep riding your 
your script on how this is durable and arguing and being persuasive and listening to those things. Um, you know, and your brother's project um, came all the way to fruition and was the one we used. It was the um, most amazing one. But, you know, you have to scaffold for all economic situations. So you could still get advanced if you only made a design. You did not have to build the whole thing and be successful. And you've got to be cognizant of that, cognizant of that in all projects. When Josh and I made groups, we tried to make sure someone with resources was in each group. Uh, someone who, you know, showed in their early journals that they were going to build and had the stuff to build. And so you kind of place kids who may not have that with those groups. Um, so everyone can be carried along and, and have that opportunity. We try to find resources. I have wood. Oh, your group doesn't have much. I'll be right back with, you know, 50 screws tomorrow or whatever it takes to, to push you over the line. Um, but then they were in the local paper, like Adam's picture, you know, was in the paper. They got interviewed. The whole class got interviewed. You know, they got to stand out by our little free library and like, that's legacy. It's going to be here forever. I just put books in it a week ago. And that was, this was in three years ago, we made this. So, you know, it just, it all wrapped up to be everything you want a project to be um, start to finish. Yeah, it, it was really fun. And, and from just, you know, we talked a lot about the English part from a math part um, and the probability and statistics. I think my favorite thing about the project was how they, I think they realized how complicated data becomes. Um, so often when kids, especially not even necessarily kids, but when, when people who aren't necessarily familiar with probability and statistics and really what it, what it um, can be, um, they associate, you know, the word statistics with really a fact. Um, so, you know, someone used a fact to say that, you know, 75% of people in this area are this, um, but that our kids learned that there's so much more than just that. So when they dug into not only the, you know, the literacy, the data that the literacy coalition was able to provide us, but then digging into the census data, there's a lot of data out there and they figured out like, you, there's not an easy answer. You know, just because the, you know, the, the, um, the median income for this neighborhood was lower didn't necessarily mean that was a poor part of the community. Um, and so like they, they had to figure out why, um, you know, when they were choosing their locations, they had to pick places that made sense. You know, um, they had to take into consideration, you know, the, the types of um, different um, age groups that were in there. So, okay, this, you know, this place might need a lot of, um, a lot of people um, who are under a lot of resources in terms of reading, they might need a little free library, but the majority of the people who live in that area aren't reading. Like they're either they're too young or they're too old and they're not going to probably be walking three blocks to get a free book. Um, so I think, you know, watching them kind of unpeel all the layers that, that go together with this, uh, the census bureau data was really fun. And then hearing their arguments for why they placed it in a certain spot, um, I think just kind of helped me as a, a statistics teacher learn and, you know, identify and, and assess, have they understood, and this was towards the end of the year, have they understood all the stuff that we've taught thus far? And so that was, that was really great. Um, so just to kind of move us uh, in, into another kind of conversation, um, you know, this, you, you've been doing PBL for a while um, and you talked a little bit about this, but you know, why was this the project that, that you chose and, and maybe what did it do for your development as a, as a PBL facilitator? It, yeah. Um, you know, it just, it came from a kernel of an idea and then it just worked every step of the way as, as why I look back at, at it as a favorite. Um, when you can start a project and say, 
I hope we get an amazing one here for our school that our principal's proud of. And I hope the community gets one in a location that the data shows needs one. And both of those things happened with, with this project. Um, the best one that was made, the most durable, the most beautiful one got to be placed at our school. And then the one that had the best story, you know, was made by a student and her grandfather. It was bonding time for them to work together. Um, it went beyond our deadline. She wasn't ready and wanted to make it perfect. Um, but that's the one that finally got placed at the Foundation for Youth in um, the town's Zen Garden, which is in a lower income area. And, you know, it just all worked out. Um, and I love it when you have this list of standards that you have to cover. And it's like, well, lo and behold, this project just happens to make the kids walk right through all of these. Um, you know, and then their presentations were wonderful. You know, they had to argue durability. So their materials, they had to argue location. So there's so much persuasion. And, and then also, you know, answering questions, just being standing up there prideful next to a real product. In English class, your products often, here's the letter that we're going to send to city council. You know, it's a letter. It's English. This felt like everything but English. Yet I covered so much. It was great. Yeah, and I think we've, we've talked on episodes before, especially in the split series, about how the authenticity of the project and the excitement and engagement of the project makes them connect to the standards more. You know, yes. once you learn, because I have to have this skill, I have to be able to do this thing um, in order to make a good product and in order to give my all into this project. And so I think that is a testament to how authentic this project was and how engaged your kids were in the effort that they put in to the standards pieces, I guess. Um, so this is a project that is completely community oriented, right? Those, those libraries are out in our community into different locations for people to use um, that, you know, that get restocked and, and are, are out there for the community specifically. So how have you seen these products and this project itself impact the community as a whole? Well, I, I think it's built uh, a class of kids, you know, that that year of sophomores that now looks at our community through a different lens. You know, they now know that like, OK, this area is kind of a literacy uh, desert. You know, they're this far away from the library and every elementary school. Like it's so they start thinking that way. And what more could we ask for than our kids thinking more deeply with a knowledge set to fall back on looking at data, you know, collecting resources to make their arguments to improve their community. And so that was neat and just a byproduct. We wanted them reading more and thinking about books. And, and then it became this huge community thing. Um, so that was a community impact. And then again, you know, the, we're three years later and they're still in use. The kids can still drive by. Um, the Republic did an article and interviewed, you know, your brother among others and then got to look at Josh and I and be like, wow, these are kids in Columbus. Like, we're, like I threw them curveballs that I knew you wouldn't prepare them for. And they just answered it like straight, like, yeah, like, are these adults that you're hiding here? And it, it's just so neat that the Republic gets to see us that way. You know, our principal gets to smile off in the corner and see us in the paper. Like, you know, it was just high fives all the way through. And it's not always like that. Obviously, projects fall apart left and right. Um, but when it all works, it was it was great. It felt effortless, yet we made the most monstrous rubric ever 
<laughs> yeah, it, it was it was a really cool and fun project. And, and the results definitely, you know, we didn't know what we were going to get when we started. And, um, you know, the kids blew us away and, and, and really took it to the next level. And just an impact on like, now that I'm like, when I walk around neighborhoods and, and kind of see things, I start I've noticed like little free libraries, you know, that as something that's popped up, and I feel like I take note, like, oh, there's one here. And I, you know, I have that same kind of reaction, like the connection, like, is this the right place for it? And, and how, how do we make it make it even better so um, before we kind of wrap up the episode Joe um, you know you you've got a knowledge a depth of knowledge in PBL that that our listeners um, have got to hear a little bit about today but what kind of closing thoughts might you leave us with and and advice might you give to to those of uh, those of our listeners who are are either starting their PBL journey or are are somewhere in the middle of it Um, what might you just leave them with today well I guess this is my own advice that you're not going to hear from others necessarily in the PBL world, but sometimes if you just have a kernel of an idea and you know in your heart that you can make it go, and once you give it to the kids, once you say this is the problem, and then they tell you what they know and need to know, that is becomes your solution criteria that you're starting to fill out. You don't need... like. In a real project, you don't, the, the person walks in and challenges your kids to do that, and you don't know what they're going to say naturally. You make them go through the standards to complete that thing. So I, I, my advice is if you're passionate about something and you're walking through this world and you see a need and you think, wow, someone should do that, it should be your kids. It should be your students. And you should figure out how to make that amazing idea that will change whatever around you into your standards. And if you just keep going and thinking about it and brainstorming as you go, you'll find that, wow, it hits everything I really wanted it to. And the kids are passionate about it because it came from a a true need, something you saw. And you're going to be passionate about it because it came from your perspective. Um, So stick to your passions. You became a teacher in your you know, focus, you're a social studies teacher bailing because those social issues are important to you in our history and knowing it. So when you see those things that you're like, I have to know this. Oh my gosh, that was an awakening in me. Okay. How am I going to recreate this awakening in a kid? Like, and then go, just do it. Like, don't be afraid and, and think, oh, I can't think of four standards that it's going to hit or it's going to be too big. No, just launch, just launch. <laughs> Well, I think if there's one word that I would use to sum up Joe Steele, it's definitely passion, passionate. Um, So for our listeners that have not heard Joe before, um, he was on episode two, I think, of our uh, 6A series. So if you were following that, um, he was our guest talking about authenticity. um, And you can tell why, just the way he talks about his projects. So if you want to hear more from Joe, make sure you've checked out that episode and that whole series. Joe, thank you so much for being on with us today. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys for inspiring me. Like, seriously, you're, you're amazing. I just want to keep up with you all. So thank you for letting me be, you know, in your circle. Ready, break. Thanks again for joining Josh and Andrea for the PBL playbook, where we give you the playbook of real PBL facilitators in the classroom, just like you, and help bring you strategies and tools for your PBL game. If you want to reach the pod, you can tweet at AskGIEBS, at MissB103, and at MagnifyLearning. Or you can email the PBL playbook at magnifylearningn.org with any questions, thoughts, or ideas you have. 
Also be sure to show Josh and Andrea some PBL love by rating, reviewing, and sharing the PBL playbook with other educators.